You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. We'll settle on a poll question. Got our play of the day, a couple of stats of the day coming up, and we'll check in with Chris Sims, NBC Sports, and Football Night in America. Steelers sack Baker Mayfield nine times. Most sacks in a game by a Pittsburgh defense since 2001. T.J. Watt may have wrapped up the Defensive Player of the Year with his performance last night with uh, three sacks. We're going to talk about how we're looking at these records, 17 games for Cooper Cup, 17 for T.J. Watt, may break the sack record Cooper Cup with what he's doing receiving-wise. We'll talk about that coming up here in a moment. Here is Baker Mayfield last night with a reporter talking about him playing through pain. Yeah. Are you glad that they didn't pull you out of there just, you know, for safety reasons? Are, are you glad you had a chance to try to pull it out in the end? Yeah, I mean, there's an opportunity to win. I'm an extremely competitive guy. I think you guys know that. Um, but I think now it's time for me to start, you know, looking at what's in the best interest for me and my health. Um, you know, I've continued to lay it out on the line when I haven't been healthy uh, and tried to fight for our guys. Uh, and right now, I'm, I'm pretty damn beat up, to be honest with you. There's no way around it. Um, I gave it everything I had tonight. Yeah, I think he's trying to leverage this. I'm playing through pain. And I can admire it, but also as a coaching staff, I have to look at what's smart for our team and smart for Baker Mayfield. Like bigger picture, smaller picture here. And that's what I found really curious there. You know, has Baker helped them by being in the lineup? No, he hasn't. And while I want these guys to want to play, play through pain, always felt like Steve McNair was always hurt, but never hurt enough that it would really hurt his performance here. Roethlisberger, same way. Always felt like there was something that was nicked up on him, but he was still able to play. Baker needs surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. Um, You know, I just would have shut him down a couple of weeks ago. You know, you just, I didn't understand it. Let's bring in Chris Sims, Football Night in America, Pro Football Talk Live co-host with Mike Florio. Um, Where do you stand with this situation as the Browns move forward? Well, uh, you know, I know we've talked about it in the past. I'm one, you know, right off the bat as far as like, you know, Baker Mayfield. I think you make good points. You know, it is up to the organization, the head coach to evaluate it for, you know, what is best for our football team. And yeah, injuries. Oh, missed a week of practice because of COVID. Maybe that's not when you play the guy. You're right. Oh, that's right. He threw four interceptions in that game. You know, I I mean, so your point is real there. There's no doubt about it. As far as Baker Mayfield and the Browns and that whole situation going forward, I think, you know, we talked about this maybe about a month ago. I mean, um, I expect Baker Mayfield to be back. But like the 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 red carpet or the you know the rose parade or, or the the honeymoon, it's over. We're we're at that point here now officially. There's no doubt whether they want to make it more of a competition between Case Keenum or bring in another QB to have them there as a backup plan. But I I don't think we're gonna see Baker Mayfield long term extension. No way. There's no way I would do that if I'm the Cleveland Browns. They they, they exercise their right to get the fifth year option and they gotta continue to evaluate this as they go forward. But but uh, do you pull over... the band aid now though, Chris? Because this is uh, still a really talented team. Let's right. say. Deshaun Watson's in play in Cleveland. Let's say Russell Wilson's in play. Let's say Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's say uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, if you're the Browns, 
I think you got to look at big picture instead of going, well, we don't want Baker long-term, but at $18 million next year, that's not bad for a starting quarterback. And then at what point are you saying we're wasting another season or does it become a distraction for the Browns and Baker Mayfield with that contract ex- uh, extension next year? Well, I, I, you know, again, if you have the chance to get a Watson or Wilson or somebody like that, then fine. That Then, okay, maybe I would think about, like you're talking about, ripping the Band-Aid off and going, okay, these are proven entities. We know what they are. We're not exactly sure of what Baker Mayfield is. Now, I'm not going to throw, but, but you better have somebody like that, I guess is what I would say, at least in my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but we have seen enough spurts through Baker Mayfield's career to know there is some talent and he can do some good things on the football field. We saw that at the end of the 2020 season, you know, they had the chiefs on their heels in the playoff game. He played very good down the stretch last year. So there is at least some evidence to go, Hey, wait, he can make some game changing plays and throws and lead our team. There's some things to like there. I'm not trading him away for Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I'm definitely not. I'm going to play the angle of there's still more potential in Baker Mayfield's ultimate talent than a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I, again, you know, I, I don't think you just throw him overboard for, for, for anybody. There's issues there in Cleveland. You know, the guys doing the telecast last night explained it, I think in a lot of ways too, you know, what, what was the approach to that football game? What the hell was going on there? Baker Mayfield was beat up. No doubt about it. They obviously couldn't protect him. You know, Stefanski, one of the, I was one of those that was not a huge fan of the hire in Cleveland because I've always been underwhelmed by the passing offense of the Stefanski scheme. That's what I've never, and I look at that and go, okay, you know, the talent's okay in the passing game, but the scheme is underwhelming to me and it's a little predictable. So I do give Baker Mayfield a little bit of the benefit of that too. Uh, but there's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made there in Cleveland. Cause as you know, as we all know, it's one of the most disappointing stories or teams in football this year. Would you rather have Jalen hurts or Baker Mayfield? Oh, well, you got to have a, t- you, if you're going to go Jalen Hurts, right? And I was, I'm, I, and you know, I, I took an L with the, with the Jalen Hurts thing before the year. I didn't make him one of my top 40 quarterbacks. You know, now uh, at that time, I kind of was more evaluating it as they're going to try to make him a drop back quarterback and make him, you know, Phillip Rivers and the, the Los Angeles Chargers system, you know, but I, I've certainly been proven wrong and, 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 and where I'm wrong is they went all in on, you know, he's a better runner than I thought he was. And of course they have a great offensive line. So they're playing a different style of football. You have to be committed to play a certain style of football. I think with you have Jalen hurts, it is going to be a Lamar Jackson type offense. You're not going to get surgical, like precision drop back passing and a guy that's going to be capable of going 30 for 35 for 340 yards from Jalen hurts. So that's where it's different. You got to figure out what kind of offense you're going to run. That's why it's a tough one, Dan traditional offense. I want Baker Mayfield. We're going to go all in on the all running game and all of that then yes, I'll I'll go Jalen Hurts there. We're talking to Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host and also contributor to Sunday Night Football. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward. You don't have Chris Godwin. You don't have Antonio Brown. Defense hasn't played up to its standards that we saw in the Super Bowl. Uh, Leonard Fournette's been out. You still have Tom Brady. Yeah. What do you think the playoff future of the Buccaneers is? Well, it's scary right now. It is, you know, again, they're, they're a a beautifully constructed football team, but 
I don't even know for as well constructed as they are. I don't even know if they can overcome this amount of injuries and, and go for a Super Bowl run. So I do think like the threshold of injuries has hit a point where I go, oh, it makes me look at them as a different football team. You know, Shaq Barrett, JPP not in there. Levante David, you know, secondary been banged up, have issues there. You mentioned all the guys on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so at full strength or close to full strength, I certainly still think they're the, one of the best teams in the NFC. But they need to kind of see how these next two weeks go as far as the health of their football team and where they can get by wild card weekend. I think that would make me dictate that. But, like, I'm definitely a little concerned right now, Dan. There's no doubt about it. Where maybe four weeks ago, I would have gone, ah, I'm okay. They're going to they're gonna make a run and get this together. They're kind of just sleepwalking right now. They know what they're capable of. They'll step on the gas pedal. Uh, right now, I'm kind of like, ah, I'm not sure if they can do this with this group of guys here. Is Antonio Brown an issue or does he have issues? Because all of a sudden Tom Brady says he needs help. Well, did he need help just because what happened on Sunday or has he always needed help? And we keep kind of masking the issue here. I, I think so. Yes. I mean, I think he's always needed help. You've kind of always heard that from every place he goes, but it just kind of gets swiped under the rug and they, the next team gets him and goes, Oh damn, he works hard and he's talented. What? There was issues at the other place. I know oh, we haven't seen that, you know? And then of course it slowly comes about. Well, you know, again, I'm not trying to play psychologist here or anything like that, but it certainly seems at surface level or what we're seeing that there are issues there. And the Bucks feel burned. I mean, they just stuck their neck out there for a guy who had a fake vaccine card and be, made them a, a spectacle of the sport for a week and how they were going to handle it and put the NFL in a tough spot. And then here we go and you, you cause this, you know, distraction, disaster, uh, whatever you want to call it on Sunday. I've never seen anything like it. So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of both there at play, I guess. He, you know, he, he does need help. Uh, it seems like, but Hey, we, we had enough evidence to know that this was a possibility with him. And when you play with fire, you get burned sometimes and their, their butt got burned on this one. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you've got to get another chance. Yeah. You think so? Well, I just, that, that's the mean, the million dollar question. Uh, you know, we know talent talks in the NFL, and a lot of issues get, get get pushed to the side when a guy can still get open or still play at a high level to where that I would think the Bucks right now are kind of trying to play. They're trying to look if they can suspend him without pay or keep him on the roster. So a team like the Chiefs or the Rams or the Packers don't pick him up and get him for a six week, you know, clean slate and it ends up kicking their butt and ends up, you know, kicking yeah. their butt in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. I think that's what they're probably worried about now. Yeah, I think that Tampa that, you know, there's salary cap issues. Like how can they do it that minimizes even further damage and doesn't allow yes. him to get out of jail and go play for one of these other teams? Right. Um, right. Do you love Joe Burrow or do you love Joe Burrow? Oh, I love Joe Burrow. I, I love him. I really do. And he's gotten better in the things that I questioned about. You know, first off, he's he's the magic man. He just cooled Joe, whatever you want to call him. He's unbelievable. He's the natural. He really is the natural at the position. I had one question about him coming out in the draft. Just overall arm strength. 
You know, that was the one thing I went and just went, man, I'm going to give him the edge on Herbert. Herbert has more physical ability. You know, Burrow can make all the throws, but, you know, I wish there was a little bit more power in the arm. All he talked about in the offseason was improving his arm, improving some mechanics to throw the ball with more power. You see that, you know, so he just has everything. He's got every club in the bag. He's so cool and calm under pressure. He's one of the most slippery SOBs in football, in the pocket, work in the pocket. I mean, come on. The Bengals were a dysfunction, and we're going, man, does Joe Burrow really want to go there? And the guy and the player are so awesome in both aspects that now we look at the Bengals as a different thing. We're going, man, this is the most exciting team we've seen in football. They got a bright future. <laughs> and that's all because of him. And that, that's why I love Joe Burrow. If you could start your franchise with one quarterback from the 2004 draft, Eli, Phillip Rivers, or Ben Roethlisberger. Oof, Knowing man. what you know now, yeah, mm. I, I'm gonna go with Big Ben. I am. I, I uh, again. I, I'm a. I'm a sucker for for talent. I guess more than anything. I respect the hell out of those other two guys. I do. But Big Ben to me uh, is just the best of the three. Period. You know, consistently playing at a high level. And I think the biggest thing too, Dan, that that where I give him the edge is just as, when. You know, he's capable of carrying the team when things aren't great, especially in his prime. I mean, he had some years there where you know, they went to the Super Bowl with like arguably one of the three, four, five worst offensive lines in the game and won the Super Bowl. That's really rare for that to happen. And that's because he was so gifted. You know, his ability to throw with people around him or, you know, take those little Fred Flintstone steps around the pocket and move around and pub and faking and people hanging on him. And he's just, oh, I'm still going to throw it and get a first down. Uh, that's where I give him a little edge. It's a little different because I don't think he was necessarily studying the playbook or grinding film. I think he was, you know, he's a little bit more like just backyard football, but it's also why I love him. And I, I would take him over the other two. Packers have any issues? Yes. I question, you know, one, the defense to a degree. I mean, how, how can you not? I know. Let's, let's forget the Vikings game last week without Kirk Cousins. You know, all the weeks before that, man, run game, pass game, teams have been having their way with the Packers defense. I question the Packers in a year where there's no great team in the NFL, and it's really going to come down to matchups in these playoffs. I just question the high-end talent of the Packers. Uh, I'm one of the, I, I think them one of the few out there that I just go, they're good. I get it. They have Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP. But can you really get to the Super, Super Bowl by not messing games up, execution, and just riding Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers? That's where I don't know. They're going to end up playing teams in the playoffs here. Of course, they're well-coached, and I believe have more talent than them. And that's where I'm a little bit, you know, not sure about if the Packers can really get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I think what they do well, though, is they're mixing in the run a lot more. Yes. And, and and that makes them I, – I love a team that gives you that option of running the football. Look back on the Buccaneers with Leonard Fournette last year. Yeah, like he was a right. real difference maker. All of those running backs that Brady had when he was in New England, you – you have to have that element there. You you can't be one-dimensional, I don't think. You have to have a defense no. that has the ability right. to stop you when they need to, and I think being able to run the football, and, and I see that with Green Bay. Defense is getting some of their star players yeah. back, 
Bakhtiari's yep. coming back. You got two running right. backs with Green Bay. You have home field advantage, maybe a true home field advantage. And, you know, that's why I like Green I, Bay. I hear you. Yeah. I, I, I hear you there. And Jael Alexander, him getting back will be a huge thing. I mean, if they can get him back, I mean, he's, when healthy, definitely one of the five best corners in football. Zadarius Smith on the defensive side of the ball would be another huge addition. Because, again, like I said, I, 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 I question their top-end talent. And I think your offense, running game thing is a real thing. I mean, we've really only seen the Chiefs here in the last 10, 12 years be able to go and win a Super Bowl and do that without, like, a run game. Yeah. They're one of the few teams we've seen do that. And that, okay, but they have, like, some other really, really special attributes that have helped them overcome that. Uh, you're, you're right, though, with Green Bay. And then with Rodgers at the helm, they never waste plays. They're very unbelievable at executing, managing the football game, and they just don't make mistakes, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and that's what makes them tough to, to, to beat, uh, to your point, Dan. Thank you, bud. Good to talk to you again. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. Be good. Have a good. Tell all those jerks I said hello. Hey, jerks, he says hello. Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host and contributor to Football Night in America. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand-new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts be sure to catch the live edition of the dan patrick show weekdays at 9 a.m eastern 6 a.m pacific on fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio app or stream us live on the peacock app we were just discussing if we want to uh, do powerball is that what it is powerball yeah yeah there's two of them right a powerball is up to like it's like 574 or something like that some crazy number. I like how you get to a certain point and then you're going to play Powerball. Like at what point do you go, okay, now I'll do Powerball. Like a hundred million, I ain't doing it. We got up to a silly, I didn't even know about it, but you guys want to go all in? Five bucks a man. Five bucks a man. In advance. Okay. And you have to have cash. It can't be one of those where you go, hey, I want to be in on this. Because I always hear about those factory workers sometimes where you know, like 11 of the 12 put in money and then the 12th goes, well, but I was going to. Yes. Yeah, now, the question is, we have some uh, backroom guys who are not in. If they put in the money, then they can get in. But if they don't put in the then money, they, then they're not in. We don't even just uh, like peel off a little. No. Or oh, a okay. share of a share of a share. No. Yeah. What if the people who are out share a share? That's a great idea by Paul. What if I front? The, the guys who you are out, I'll front their cash, but I get half their cash. Oh, well, snap. that's up to you. Your negotiations, your agreement with them. All right. But yeah, five bucks a man and it's a half a billion dollars. Yeah, a little over five seventy five. OK, all right. Now, if we win, I know one tall, skinny guy who went to Dartmouth will be really upset. Oh, you think Michael? Oh. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And the winner of the Powerball, the Dan Patrick Show, minus McLovin. Hey, guys. <laughs> Uh, Rick Stroud covers the Buccaneers for the Tampa Bay Times. He's got a great gig. There's always something going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Rick kind enough to join us. Rick, how's morale today in Tampa? Um, 
It's good, I guess. I mean, unless you're Tom Brady, maybe you're a little depressed. But, um, you know, look, overall, this – we all kind of knew how this would end, right? Maybe not ripping your clothes off, you know, to your to your waist, but we we did know that at some point Antonio Brown um, was going to have a meltdown, and it, it was sad to see on national television. But um, you know, this this seemed to be inevitable to me. I just don't understand Tom saying yes. Need we need to show compassion? He needs help. Did he need help prior to what happened on Sunday, Rick? We've we've covered. We're enablers here. Let's not let's yes. not dance around this. We're enablers. I, I, you're a hundred percent right. And, and Tom Brady is the guy that stuck his neck out and said, "No, I I want this guy here. I care about him." You know, he's coming off the eight game suspension last year. Um, you know, we heard about anger management and Tony Robbins is it a changed guy and he moves him into his house. So I mean, Tom, as much as anybody. If he was worried about his mental health, I don't think putting a guy on a football field, um, you know, is the way to do it. He was there because he could still make plays. And, and you know, that's the only reason. And we are, we're all sort of enablers in that, in that sense. And, and, you know, he's had this pattern for the last three or four years. He wears out his welcome in Pittsburgh. You know, I'm not loved here. I want to go to the Raiders. And then oh, I get in a fight under my helmet in it. You know, now I'm going to go someplace else. And he was, you know, great last year for, for a little while. And, and now we have this situation. So I don't, I don't know about the mental health aspect of this. I'm not, I'm not in that field. Um, I, I just know that there's a lot of words to describe Antonio Brown, you know, and I've heard them all. He's a narcissist, selfish, destructive, um, you know, a bully at times. I mean, there's, there's lots of words to describe him. Uh, and I, and I just think that, you know, playing him right now, if you're truly worried about his mental health, that's, that's probably not the best place for him to be. I also wonder about the strategy when I realized that, you know, you had Bruce Arians saying he's not a Buccaneer anymore. And I went, well, I don't know if he's technically not a Buccaneer, officially not a Buccaneer. But if you're looking at salary cap, you're looking at could he potentially play for somebody else in the postseason? So what, what exactly is happening with the Buccaneers and Antonio Brown? Well, they're consulting with the National Football League about their options, about what procedures they can actually use. If it was as simple as, hey, we don't want him on our team, we're releasing him. That could have happened yesterday, yeah. and it didn't, okay? And, and, and I suspect the reason it didn't happen is because, because we're past the trade deadline. He's subject to waivers, and he could wind up on a playoff team playing against them. And it's kind of ironic, right? You don't want the guy, but you don't want him to beat you. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a grievance here. You, they, the Bucks can feel it. That's why Bruce Arians isn't saying a lot about the conversation he had on the sideline. AB's camp is saying that he was injured, that he didn't want to go back in the game because of his ankle. Um, that's not really what Bruce Arians is subscribing to. So, but what he did after that fact, the fact that he, you know, they didn't put him back in the game, but his antics on the field, taking off his uniform, running through the end zone, leaving the stadium, that's conduct detrimental. Okay. And, and I suspect that that's probably where they'll fall. They, maybe they can put him on some suspended list. Maybe not pay him. That's up to them. Um, but my guess is if they wanted to just get rid of him and release him and make him available to the rest of the NFL, that would have happened by now. It, it doesn't help his argument when he's dancing in the end zone claiming that he has an injured ankle here, Rick. <laughs> yeah, he's doing jumping jacks yeah. and, you know, throwing things to the fans and, yeah, all of that. And, I mean, and even now, right, like he's, 
He's still stuck in New York for all I know. It's 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 like home alone. They left Kevin or something, you know. He's at the Brooklyn Nets game. It's like, you know, uh, I'm not sure he's had a change of clothes. I mean, I I, I don't know what what's going on, but uh, yeah, if he was that injured, I, I'm with you. He seemed to be running pretty well up until the point where he didn't go back into the game and. It didn't stop him on the way out of the stadium. Bigger picture here, the Buccaneers going into the postseason. Last year, they had a ton of momentum. They were healthy. Everything was, you know, ahead of schedule here. Uh, yeah. Handicap the Buccaneers now as they got one more regular season game. Well, they're pretty handicapped offensively, and now they got uh, injuries again on the defense. I mean, both Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, who's a big piece of what they do on defense, Levante David, uh, those two guys, Barrett and David, will probably come back. But to what degree, how, how effective they'll be, we don't know. Um, you know, look, I would say this, that, and, and Bruce Arian said it, as long as you have Tom Brady, he just has a way of figuring out the puzzle, right? They have other options. Um, you know, they still have three tight ends. Gronkowski has played well if he can stay healthy. They've got Cam Brait in the red zone. O.J. Howard, we haven't seen most of the season, but we know he can be a problem for some teams. This Cyril Grayson has been one of the best stories in the NFL, a guy that didn't play college football because he ran track at LSU, now making all these plays. They still have Brashard Perriman. Scotty Miller we haven't seen. We remember the big plays he made. So I would not say that they don't have any playmakers. Leonard Fournette may come back. Let's see if they can get all this together. Um, they're continuing to build some momentum, I think, and uh, they got a couple weeks to figure it out. If they can get a home game or two, uh, again, I, it would not surprise me if you saw Tom back in the championship game. It's assumed that he's Brady is back next year in Tampa, correct? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's under contract, right? He he did this thing, but he can get out of it. It's there's not like a, a ton of cap, you know, penalties if he doesn't play. Um, two things will decide it. And and one is how does he feel health wise? And he said unless he suffers some injury, um, he thinks he can play till he's fifty. The biggest thing is just his family, you know, what, and Giselle says every year, have you had enough? And, but the reality is, is that he's got three kids now that are of the age where they're doing things, um, you know, outside of the, of the home and, and they have sacrificed a lot for him, but I can't see him playing more than one more year, Dan, I think 45 for whatever reason seems to be a weird number that's stuck in his head. Um, does he walk away if they win and, 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 but he could win three in a row and no one's done that. Um, does if they get to the championship and he thinks they can win again next year, does he, it's hard to it's hard to really fathom. But like I know this about the greatest players in sport, they seem to be the ones that don't know when to leave the party, yeah. right? Like the vacuum cleaners are going, the lights are on, they're still there, man. They're still at the bar. So I, I don't know what what Tom Brady will do, but I, I think he'll be back next year. I was on a town hall Zoom call with him with some other media right. members. And I said to him about that moment that I had when I left ESPN. And part of the reason was I was going to miss out on my kids. You know, I have three daughters and my oldest yeah. uh, is a son. And my wife said, they're going to be all out of the house. And I was turning 50. And I said to Tom, you know, are you worried that you're going to wake up one day and the kids are going to be out of the house? And, yeah. and it got him emotional. Like he, because I, it's there. And I yeah. think Giselle saying a couple of years ago about how Tom has had concussions. Nobody had ever talked about Tom having concussions, but it feels like it's that tug of war there of, I want to continue to play. And, but then your kids kind of go on without you. And then you try mm -hmm. to get, you dive back into their lives and you could tell where he's going to have that 
tug of war, you know, if he decides to play a couple more years. Yeah, I think he's having it right now as a father. I understand that. I, I do think, though, um, you know, at least with, with respect to his oldest son, he had him in training camp last year. He's been down a number of times for practice. Um, you know, those kids are also old enough to appreciate and enjoy his career. Um, you know, so I, I'm not going to say, hey, dad, you know, let's go win another Super Bowl. And, and it's OK if you miss all my basketball games. But they know it's at the end, too. And I think they know how much it means to him. He said something that when he got the Sports Illustrated Man of the Year Award that resonated with me. He said, I have to be comfortable sitting on the couch watching other guys play on a Sunday going, I know I'm better than that <laughs> effort. You know what I mean? And he's going to be better than three-fourths of them even at age 45. <laughs> so that's the toughest thing, man, is that he knows he can still do it. Rick, great to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you again. Thanks, Sam. That's Rick Stroud, covers the Buccaneers for the Tampa Bay Times, host of Sports Day Tampa Bay podcast as well. Yeah, it just dawned on me, you know, we just assume, well, Brady will be back next year. Not even a topic for a guy who's 44 years of age. Ben's retiring. Breeze retired. Philip Rivers retired. Brady, yeah, of course, he'll continue to play. You want to continue to play when you're successful. You're healthy. It's fun. Well, he's successful, healthy. Is it still fun with everything that's going on? Will it be? They probably are going to meet up with the Eagles in the first round of the playoffs. Now, you might say, well, it's the Eagles. The Eagles are a tricky team. Not a great team. Not a very good. Dan Orlovsky said they are a uh, dangerous team. And they're non-traditional. And I looked at what the Jets did against the Buccaneers. They ran the football. The Eagles run the football. I know we're a long way away from that. Maybe they match up with somebody else. But it, it's, it's not a given that we look at Tampa Bay and go, yep, I'm just going to rubber stamp them into the title game. I, I, I would not bet against Brady, but I, I'm certainly leaning towards betting against Tom Brady. Anybody want a piece of that? Like in the NFC to go yeah. to the Super Bowl? Yeah. You would take the rest of the NFC? I would, the... Well, I took the Packers All right. to start the year. So that's smart to stick with. Yeah. yeah, stay with the Packers. But I, I just don't – Tampa doesn't look formidable. Now, you always have the Tom Brady element there. But if I take Brady out of the element, then you're going to beat Tampa Bay. If the Jets did what they're supposed to do, they take Brady out of the element, and then he can't beat them. And I think the, the Eagles can rush for 200 yards, control the clock. You don't have Godwin. You don't have Antonio Brown. Gronk is hit or miss. You got Evans, Brait. You know, you're just... It's, I don't know about Fournette. The defense, the defense won the Super Bowl last year. Plain and simple. The defense did. But are you going to have that defense? Are they going to be ready to go on the road if you have to go to Green Bay? I, I don't know. I mean, Brady doesn't mind the weather. But I, I just I look at Tampa right now and say it's deeply flawed. But then Dallas is flawed. The Rams are flawed. Arizona is flawed. Green Bay, to me, is is going to be the most ready team. You get a bye, everybody healthy, defensive players back. It just feels like, you know, they're the team to beat. And I still think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah, Paul. On the Manning cast last night, they were talking to Aaron Rodgers about the cold in Green Bay. And I think Eli said, you're from California. How do you get used to the cold? He goes, no, 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 you don't get used to the cold. 
but you're sitting there when it's 12 degrees thinking, that guy's way colder than I am. Yeah. That team that's coming in here is way colder than I am. And, and mentally it makes you think like, ah, I'm tougher because these guys are in worse shape. When I talk to somebody in Los Angeles, they'll go, uh, God, it's cold. I said, oh my God, how cold is it? It's it's like going to get maybe in the uh, the lower 60s. And I go, <laughs> God, thoughts and prayers. I'm there with you. And then they'll go, "What? well, how cold is it where you are? And I'll go, I think it's around 31. Oh, my God, how do you survive? And I go, but I grew up in this. I grew up in Ohio. This is, this is normal. Yeah, Paul. But there's always someone who lives in a colder environment. I had friends who, my, <laughs> I had relatives who lived in Minnesota, and I lived in Chicago. They're like, come on, man. They, they laugh at people from Chicago complaining about the cold because they lived in, like, Bemidji, <laughs> Minnesota, where that's way up north. Like, that's what drives me nuts. It's like 18 degrees is still cold no matter where you are. It's still 18 degrees. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but I walked outside today and I go, all right, got my attention. Yeah. If somebody <laughs> if somebody from Los Angeles walked outside, they go, what, what what's happening in the world? What? Oh Big my god! Puffy jackets. Yes. <laughs> it's sixty. It seems like old guys get used to cold. Well, you'll be up in Vermont, you'll see an old guy with like a t-shirt and overalls on. It's four. And you always got the guy behind the bar in cold weather cities, and he's got shorts on. <laughs> Just for some reason, like yep. Yeah. Yeah, see. That was uh, when I was a mailman. There was always a contest to see who could oh. keep wearing their shorts longest into the year. And there was this one dude, Merle, who uh, he was from San Diego. You actually. don't mess with Merle. You, uh, you know what? Let me tell you something. All right, you do not mess with Merle. But he uh, he would wear them all year. He would go straight through. And he was from San Diego. We we're like, dang, dude. My nephew lives in uh, North Dakota, and he just sends me a picture of the temperature sometimes. <laughs> What is considered the coldest state? Like Maine, North Dakota, Minnesota, Alaska, Alaska. Alaska. But is Alaska kind of like grandfathered out? Because so it's Alaska so and Hawaii, we we grandfather them out. <laughs> out, man. It feels like it gets cold in like Wyoming, Idaho, Montana. When there's nothing around, and you know, when the wind comes through, and you know, there's no houses, there's no trees. There's, it's like, man, this is this is cold. When I, when we were in Minnesota for the Super Bowl. This is many, many, many years ago. <laughs> and I remember going outside, and it's one of those where I had to go outside, but I didn't want to go outside. And I'm with some people, and, you know, I, I thought, you know, I got to be, uh, I got to show them leadership here. And your nostrils are freezing. And I mean, that's why they have buildings connected in Minnesota. So you don't have to go outside. That's how you know a place is cold when yes. they have an inter an inside <laughs> web of hallways to walk through the entire city oh. where you don't ever have to go out of the building. Yeah, I went ice fishing. That was when I went ice fishing with Chip Low Miller in Minnesota. They just call it fishing, though. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, they just leave it out there. It's assumed. But we went ice fishing, and uh, Chip Low Miller was the field goal kicker for the Washington Redskins, and uh, he was from Minnesota. And I remember going, and it was unbelievably cold. Like where it wanted to, you wanted to cry. Yes, Todd. Was it worth the experience to go through that? Did you have any fun? Or you? Well, I had to do it. It was a. Oh, I, I, do I was doing a story on Chip Low Miller. Yeah, it was involuntary. Where I sure, go? Sure, let's go out. Nothing to do today. Let's go out and uh, go ice fishing. Have a picnic. By the way, ice fishing—that's a big scam, because if you, <laughs> if you've been in the the cabins, they got cable. They got heaters, they got liquor, they got refrigerators. For some reason, they have refrigerators <laughs> there. 
And then you have just a hole in the ice, and then you just sit around, smoke cigars. You can park your truck on the lake, you know? Lake Minnetonka. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. I think my wife thought she was going to get some quality time tonight with me, but that's not going to happen as I have to break the news to her. Honey, I'm home, but I'm watching the Tax Act Texas Bowl LSU in Kansas State. That old excuse? Yep. Who's favored in the Tax Act Texas Bowl, Paulie? So let's say you're at the, the MGM or the big board room out in Vegas. Okay. And, and you not a lot on the screen on okay. a Tuesday night. Yeah. LSU, Kansas State. Who do you think would be favored? Kansas State seven and five, LSU six and six. Tough year. Okay, I saw Kansas State play twice. Of course you did. I saw LSU play twice. I'm going to say that Kansas State is a better football team than LSU. Big favorite, seven points in a bowl game. All righty. Yep. Yep. Go Wildcats. Greatest arena on earth, Las Vegas. Thank you for the uh, point spread. We might be out there in a couple of months. Us in Vegas? Yeah. Well, I know. I'm saying me. Oh. Oh. I might be out there in a couple of months. And like, if you guys want to go, how would we do in Vegas? What does that mean? Gambling, if we were single, if if, uh, late night? Well, no, we're not single. I mean, hypothetically. No, no, pathetically. (laughs) (laughs) Pathetically. Um, I would, I guess we would do okay. Uh, you know, I usually get my damage done early. I, I'm not a late night guy, but uh, if I was single, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. But, but no, I, I, um, great meals. If you go to the sports books and you just bet lightly on a couple games, yeah. you can have a nice, fun evening. Though they, they bring you the drinks. Can I do five dollar blackjack tables? Do they have those, or do I have to go off the strip? Harder to find. Yeah, off, off, bro. Because I do like the five dollar ones. I'm fine with that. It's when it's uh, like twenty-five or fifty dollars a hand, and then I only have a hundred dollars. Yes, Eden. are there gamblers all over the country in their cars right now, sighing at that yeah. five dollars? <sighs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah. God. I I gamble on other things. I don't need to gamble on gambling. Yes, Pauline. I enjoy roulette because the time it takes for the ball to be popping all over, it's yeah. very it's, it's very satisfying. Let's bring, speaking of, segue, Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist for the Monday Morning Quarterback, joining us on the program. Before we get to Antonio Brown, more interesting quarterbacking situation. Cleveland, Pittsburgh. I think Cleveland, because Cleveland to me is more indicative of where like the quarterbacking dynamic is going across the NFL right now. Pittsburgh's, I, I think sort of where like new England was coming out of 2019 um, where Denver was coming out of 2015, where it's, you have quarterback who's been there forever, who's won super bowls. And now you got to replace him. And we've seen that happen over and over and over again, over the history of the NFL, what Cleveland's facing, I think is a little bit like, it's not exact, but it's a little bit like what we've talked about before, Dan, with the Rams and the Niners where like, you're happy with your quarterback. You can win with your quarterback. You've shown that you can get to the playoffs with your quarterback, but is that enough? And I think it's sort of the, the Mahomesization of the NFL where teams are looking at these opponents that have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, 
and the climb up that mountain is steep. And so it's not, are you asking, are we okay with Baker Mayfield? I think the Browns are okay with Baker Mayfield. It's more, how much better do we need to be than Baker Mayfield at quarterback to get ourselves in a position to contend for championships? And so I think very much that way you look at where the Browns are and it's not that Baker Mayfield isn't a functional NFL quarterback. It's how are we going to compete for the next 10 years with Patrick Mahomes in the AFC, with Lamar Jackson in the AFC, with Josh Allen in the AFC, with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow in the AFC. And is Baker Mayfield good enough to get us there? And I think because of the way he's played this year, they're going to be exploring outside options to answer that question. Well, I think you you reported this, that Cleveland could be in the market for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And would it? I, I'm wondering this, though, because maybe the Browns are going to have to face this dilemma. Do we pay him $18 million, which I think Baker's owed this next year, mm-hmm. and get through that season and run the risk of he might play into a contract extension? Or do we just rip the Band-Aid off and say, we're in the market for another quarterback here, even though we could get maybe a bargain at $18 million with Baker? Well, one nuance, one nuance that I think we have to remember with um, – with that is that the the fifth year options get fully guaranteed now in the past it wasn't in the okay. past you were able to cut the cut your first round pick from four years earlier if you got to the end of the four, fourth year and you'd exercise the option now you you, you don't have the, okay. the same flexibility to do it so like but i do think like the the browns could probably find a trade partner uh, for baker mayfield like let's say sean payton's still in new orleans next year uh, then, you know, I think they would be looking at options at quarterback and they loved Sean loved Baker Mayfield coming out in 2000 um, in, in 2018. So like, would there be a home like that for Baker Mayfield? So I do think there'd be some options out there for them to move him. Um, uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think like t- to answer the question, Dan, you have to look at where their roster is, you know, and I, I, I look at the roster and they're in position to compete for a championship right now. If Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are available, is there any guarantee you get a year from now and the dynamics going to have changed at all? Mm-hmm. You know, I think you almost have to take advantage of that sort of opportunity, especially when you look at the landscape of college football. And are you sure that there's going to be a great one available to you over the next two years? You know, it's just, I think you look at the Brown situation and you got to say to yourself, there's a lot of good. There's a there's a lot of good momentum off, over coming off the last two years, despite what's happened this year and them not making the playoffs. The franchise is in a good spot. The roster's in a good spot. You can compete for a championship right now, and you know, like that's why I think like they're going to look at it the same way the Rams looked at their situation last year, which is we need to strike while the iron's hot. Let's take a look at what the options are out there. And the top options look like they're going to be Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and maybe, I mean, we'll see what happens, Aaron Rodgers. I wondered about this. I think people speculated when mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin was fawning all over Aaron Rodgers earlier this year. Yep. And people wondered, hey, Aaron Rodgers, Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, they're going to need a quarterback there. Could you see, I, 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 I hate to do this, but, you know, we have to start landing the planes here somewhere of where we think these yeah. guys are going to end up. But let's say Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay. Yep. Probably going to be in the AFC. Correct? I would say that'd be the preference. Yeah, if you're the Packers, it'd be the preference would be to ship them out of the conference. Okay. Uh, would Denver or Pittsburgh 
make more sense for the, for the Packers, be, knowing what they're going to get? I think Denver would be. I think Denver would be the biggest player for him. Um, Denver is going to have, in all likelihood, a higher draft pick. Uh, I think Denver would be willing to go um, the extra mile to get him. Denver has some some players on the team that you might want um, if you're Green Bay, and you know I. I, I just like Denver was on his list last year too, if I can, if I remember right. And so like, I just think there's a lot of things about the way Denver set that situation up that are built for a veteran quarterback to come in and win. And, you know, it's the receiver group, a young receiver group. It's not unlike what Peyton Manning walked into right in 2012 with Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker and, and Julius Thomas at tight end. They've got the same sort of setup there with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Court, Portland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Um, so you got that. Do I, I factor also in though Peyton maybe taking over or being part of the ownership in Denver? That would be like a plus for 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 Aaron Rodgers, I would think. Right? Is that like, in play? You, do you think? I mean, I, I think I think Peyton Manning as an, as an NFL owner has been in play since he retired. Yeah. I mean, I, like like everything I understand. I don't know if you've heard this, Dan, but like. There, there had always been a the assumption that Peyton was going to want to be a football executive at some point and run his own show. And I, and I remember hearing all the way back when you know he signed with Denver, it was actually sort of a side benefit for him that he got to see John Elway do that job, because John Elway's background obviously has parallels to Peyton going into that sort of job, right? So like, there's that that Peyton's always had that kind of in the back of his head that maybe he wants to be a football executive. And then two, I've also heard that the Manning family's always sort of had an eye on ownership. And that was part of the reason why over the years, Peyton Manning never took less on contracts. Eli Manning never took less on contracts. They always did a lot of endorsements. Like I'd always heard that sort of idea that the Manning family was building capital to maybe someday be able to buy a team. Now, I don't know if they have the capital to buy a team outright, but to be a part of an ownership group, mm -hmm. like that would make some sense. And if you were putting together an ownership group, in Denver, a, a group to bid on it in Denver, that'd be a pretty powerful guy to have on your side, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. And, you know, I know, I know Peyton really loves living there. That's the other thing. Um, you know, part of the reason why I think, you know, he has been a little slow to take a job as a football executive because those opportunities have been available to him is because he lives a very comfortable life, you know, in Denver now. And so there are a lot of things there that sort of line up where it would make sense. You know, Peyton Manning was part of a group that would bid on the, on the, on the Broncos. Talking to Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter for the Monday morning quarterback, uh, Washington football team's going to have a big announcement coming mm -hmm. up next month. Uh, 2 2 which we pointed out is Groundhog's Day, so maybe they don't change the name. They just keep it what it is. But you uh, got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I think it's – I think what we've seen this year from that organization, I mean, it's almost like – it's almost like comical how, like, you know, that the, it – it was illustrated on Sunday with uh, the barrier collapsing and the fans falling onto Jalen Hurts. It's like as, as much work as they've done over the last two years to try and fix things there, they had a long way to go. And so, um, you know, between everything that's happened there, um, you know, really over the, 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 the 22 years since Dan Snyder bought the team, but you know, really, you know, like when you like between the nickname, obviously the workplace scandal, everything that's happened there, over the last couple of years, it's really clear how far they've had to go.
but you know, I do think that they've got some good people in place now to change the way we think about that, that organization. And, you know, I think that this is a big part of it for all of them. So, you know, the president, Jason Wright's obviously spearheaded this effort and, you know, on the football side, Ron Rivera and Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew, I think have made some progress. Um, this is a big year for them. Make no, make no mistake about it. Like, you know, they, they took a little bit of a step back this year in that they're not going to be on the play in the playoffs. But, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, from, you know, just like like what the staff looks like standpoint, like 2022 is a, a, a big year for the franchise. And, you know, you'd hope that um, maybe the start of things like people falling out of the stadium <laughs> would stop to end, start to end. And I, and I do think that the, the, the rebrand is a big part of all of that. What are the Buccaneers doing with Antonio Brown? What's the... Uh the game plan here or strategy? Uh, I think that they're, well, right now they're working with the league on how to handle this. Um, you know, I look like, I think we need to, we do, we need to look at this for what it is, Dan. I mean, this isn't, you know, father Flanagan here. Like this was a football situation from the start and that they brought him in in the first place to appease their quarterback because Tom Brady wanted him there in 2020 he was sort of a bonus piece to the offense in 2020, the same way Gronk was because those guys had got in late and it was the COVID year and everything else. Those guys had nice contributions down the stretch. Brady loves both those guys. Brady had the team bring both those guys back. Both those guys had a full off season. Both became an integral part of the offense. Um, and obviously Gronk is, it's not fair in any non-football way to connect Gronk to to AB, but that was sort of the way those acquisitions happened. And when they struggled in midseason this year, a big part of it was because those guys had become integral parts of what they do offensively. And so when AB's situation went haywire over the last month, um, you know, with the fake vaccination card, the lying, the suspension, everything else, the reason they held on to him was because he had become an integral part to what they do from a football standpoint. And he had become too valuable. He'd become valuable enough where the, I think the decision makers there have built up some tolerance for what he was going to bring off the field where that tolerance had been zero a year before. And so I think this is, that's what this is. It's every single, every single facet of this decision of, 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 of the Antonio Brown, um, Antonio Brown's run in Tampa, all of it was guided by football. And, and right up to the very end, where at, the, at this point, he's become more of a problem than he was a value to the team, which is amazing because he was pretty valuable to the team at the end. I don't, um, I don't think we're being fair to Bruce Arians when we say to Bruce, you know, do you, was it a mistake to sign Antonio Brown? He got a Super Bowl out of this. I, yeah. You know, they knew that they, they were getting somebody. They knew what they were signing up yes, for. Yes, but they, everybody's enabled Antonio Brown. That, that mm -hmm. you know, even Tom Brady's saying we should show compassion. He, he's got some problems. Well, did he have problems before he took off his clothes, uh, you know, in the Jets game? Of course he did. So I, it feels like we're going, hey, you know, he's got problems. Okay. Was anybody addressing these problems prior to what happened Sunday? Is he addressing these? His agent, does anybody give a damn about him? You know, because he might get another job here, Albert, but he's going to have the same issues. I mean, at the end of the day, he's like Bruce Arians, a football coach. He's not a psychologist. He's not a self-help guy. He's not a like he's a football coach. You know what I mean? Like, and Brady and, wanted him. He Bruce yeah. was probably handcuffed to say, "All right, Tom really wants him." 
He wanted him and, in and, New England. And look, like, and 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 you know what? Like New England did the same things for Tom, right? Like there were Josh Gordon when they brought Josh Gordon in. You know, I can tell you for a fact, like the Patriots made it clear to 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 Tom, like, okay, the, this is your guy now. Yeah. Like you're gonna you're gonna look out for him, right? And so Tom has become used to being in these situations where it's. I want this player on my team. I like this player. I need more help offensively. And to facilitate that, I'm going to personally take the guy under my wing. And that's what happened with AB. And I do think like, I I do think by the end, like Tom really did like Antonio. Like, I think that there was a, a, a strong relationship there, but like the idea that like the idea that football was going to keep him in line it didn't in Pittsburgh, right? Like where, like at the end, like a team MVP, not like a team MVP award going to Juju Smith-Schuster set him off, right? <laughs> and that was a place that had done everything, everything to, to facilitate it for him. So I, I just, I don't know like where, I mean, to me, like continuing to give him opportunities isn't football saving Antonio Brown. It's reinforcing that he can get out, get away with whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And every time he got another chance, whether it was after, you know, the, the end in Pittsburgh, whether it was after the whole bizarre end in Oakland with the, with the feet and the helmet and everything else, or the way things ended in new England with him taking an open shot at ownership on his way out the door after threatening people who were accusing him of some very serious things, continuing to give him opportunities wasn't football saving him. It was sending him a very clear message, Dan, like football is going to allow you to act however the hell you want, because your talent supersedes everything else that you've done. Albert, great to talk to you as always. We appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dan. Albert Breer. And that was well put, you know, because until he doesn't have a job, I mean, that's when reality sets in. That's when you know, okay, no, nobody cares. No more options here. Like, I look back on Meta World Peace. He knew he had a problem, and he went and he, he worked on getting better. And I have total respect for that. I mean, he's, he's, he's interesting, he's quirky, he's not dangerous. Antonio Brown is dangerous. Uh, Albert, the uh, lead uh, senior, or senior NFL reporter, lead strategist for the uh, Monday Morning Quarterback.